I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. House of the Lord tonight. Bible says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's the Spirit of the Lord here tonight. So that must mean that there is liberty in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 And I'm so thankful to have all of our guests in here this evening. And uh, I'm going to start calling names. I'm going to get in trouble. I call names. It's good to have Brother Troy in here. I'm so thankful that you're here. And I'm thankful that your family's here and your friends are here. And uh, we're very, very grateful to have you. I know there's a lot of people out tonight. And uh, the Lord is here anyway. I am in some serious trouble. I, I am to the point, Brother Davis, where technology has become my greatest enemy. Absolutely hate technology. I say that, but I'm thankful for our air conditioners. I'm thankful for our nice lights that we've got in here. But this is what I'm dealing with right now. That I didn't save my message on my computer. and The internet, our church here, is completely out right now. It's out, isn't it? The internet's down. Well... So my message is is down, and so I'm uh, having say that again. Certainly, I'm not going to curse the technology yet. I'm just going to wait on her. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for a loving, loving God. The voice of this world, the voice of this world, wants to, for us to believe that there's an end to forgiveness. See, the world, the, the world doesn't forgive and they don't forget. There's a, there's a mindset in our world once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, or you become a recovering alcoholic, or a recovering addict, or a recovering whatever it is. Colleges and professors in the world will tell you that there is no forgiveness, and you will not forget. They won't let you forget. I don't care how much forgiveness you ask. Whatever you've done in your past, they'll never let you forget it. They'll never let you forget it. If you don't believe that, if you had a felon, try to go get you a gun. Try and... and, and uh, is that it? I love technology. Yes. Love technology very, very thankful for it. Tomorrow, I'll hate it. But the world, the world doesn't want you forgiven. Because when you are not forgiven, you are a slave to the world. 
when you are forgiven, you've been set free and you've been loose. I'm so thankful that with Jesus, his mercy is made new every single day. Every single day. And the blood that flows from Calvary's hill, it never loses its power. Never loses its power. I woke up today from a, a nap and I said, Lord, I, I got a message I want to preach. I had it on my mind and God spoke to me. And he said, I, that's not what I want you to do. And I want you, and he told me what he wanted me to do. And I said, well, I've used this before and I've preached some of this before. And God was very adamant about it. I get to church and then my computer goes down. And now it's up. So I want you to get your Bibles out and open up to Matthew 27, verse 28. Matthew 27, verse 28. And then we're going to go Mark 15, starting with verse 42. When you have it, say amen. The Bible says, and they stripped him and put him on him a scarlet robe. When they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. A reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took that robe off of him. They put on his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. When they were come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Verse 20 or 35 starts out by saying, and they crucified him. And I want to stop right there and go to Mark 15, verse 42. Mark 15, verse 42. Picking up on the same story, telling the same account. The disciple Mark, he writes, Now when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went boldly unto Pilate. Something right here that I've always been enamored by this very next sentence. The Bible says, and he craved the body of Jesus. He craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate, he marveled if he were already dead. He was surprised calling unto him the centurion and asked him whether he had already been dead or he had been any while dead, excuse me. And when he knew it of the centurion, the Bible says he gave the body to Joseph. I want to preach to you and this is, this is from God because this is not what I was wanting to preach and this is not what I had planned to preach. And I need your prayer. Because I'm, I, I'm tonight, I'm going to pull somebody away from the pit of hell. And I, I feel a very strong urge tonight 
And I, I do believe I know why I'm preaching what I'm preaching. I still want him. I still want him. How many of you still want Jesus? How many of you still really want Jesus? Regardless of how you feel at times, you still there's still a desire in your heart and your spirit that you still want Jesus. That you don't want to push him away like the world has pushed him away. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Amen, amen. I need you to preach with me. You may be seated in Jesus' name. At the very beginning of mankind, the beginning of time, when God so articulately reaches into the dust of the earth, you find that He creates man. In God's mind, He had formed the greatest of all creations. His name was Adam. There was something extraordinary that happened when God breathed into the breath In the lungs of Adam, the Bible says he made man a living soul straight from the breath of God. There was something far greater than that, just the fact that God made him a living soul. It was more than just the fact that God gave him the ability to stand or the ability ability to walk, talk or breathe. And it was more than just giving him the ability to create. On his own, with his own two hands, I believe that there was something that was far more fascinating than giving him his athletic abilities or any of the talents that he had in his mind or in his heart. Beyond everything that God had greatly invested in that man, beyond all the magnificent traits and chromosomes that were so strategically placed throughout his DNA, The greatest thing that God ever did for us, the greatest thing that he ever gave to us, is when he put that breath of life in our lungs, his breath entered into the lungs of man. And from that very moment, there was an overwhelming desire and craving to be in the presence of an almighty God. It was a desire to or a need to be in the presence of God or to have God in the life of mankind. They can say they are an agnostic and not know whether they believe in God or they can simply say that there is not a God and claim to be an atheist. But if you put a man on a desolate island, the first thing that he will do is find food. The second thing that he will do, Brother Davis, is he will find shelter. And the third thing that he will do is find something to worship. And regardless of, as to, uh, uh, they, as to way, where they put their worship or whether they worship God, inside each man and woman there is a desire to worship something. That is why this world worships athletes. They worship celebrities. They worship men that are put on pedestals. But inside each man and woman, there is a desire to worship. Whether you know it or not, that worship is, is to be put on Jesus. We are to worship Jesus Christ 
if you feel that in your spirit tonight, that you long for something, I can tell you the only thing that will fulfill that void is the presence of Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. Drugs, alcohol, anything in this world other than Jesus Christ will leave an empty void in your life. But Jesus Christ is the only thing that can satisfy my soul. I'm 100% convinced that I'm absolutely nothing without the presence of Jesus in my life. I'm 100% convinced that if it wasn't for the grace and mercy in my life, I would be drifting astray without peace or hope. I know beyond of a shadow of a doubt that without Him, my life would be worthless and meaningless. I need you to hear me tonight when I tell you this, that without Jesus Christ in your life, you can't breathe without him. You can't live without him. I can't exist without Jesus. I can't praise without him. I would be lost without Jesus Christ. Hear me tonight, I'm a hundred percent convinced tonight that it's because of Jesus that I'm victorious. It's because of Jesus that I have eternal life. It's because of Jesus that I'm forgiven. It's because of Him that I've been set free from the chains and the bondage of this world. It's because of Jesus that I'm destined for victory. I'll tell you tonight, it's because of Jesus that sin cannot destroy me. It's because of Jesus that death, hell, and the grave cannot hold me. Because greater that is in me than he that is in the world. I have joy tonight because of Jesus. I have love in my heart because of Jesus. I have peace that passeth all understanding because of Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven because of Jesus. Hey, listen to me. I would be nothing without him. You would be absolutely nothing without him. Our churches would be dead without Jesus because he is everything. He's everything to me. I need you to hear me tonight. I believe the same scripture that said that Jesus is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us with Jesus Christ. Christ, hear me. I'm not just trying to build your faith. I'm trying to tell you how bad you need Jesus. With him, there's not a prison that God cannot open. There's no chains that cannot be broken. There's no wall that cannot be crumbled. There's no devil in hell that cannot be defeated. There's no man that cannot be saved. There's no slave that cannot be set free. There's no death here that cannot be unstopped. There's no disease that cannot be cured. There's no drug addiction that cannot be delivered. There's no cancer that cannot be healed. There's no drug addiction or depression that cannot be lifted. And there's no death that cannot be resurrected. I'm telling you tonight that Jesus can do anything. He can save anybody. And he can resurrect anything in your life that's dead. 
I'm just, I'm just, tonight I'm just convinced enough to know that I know, I, I, if I, if I'm ever going to make it to heaven, I've got to know that He is everything to me. And know that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that we, that we was and which was and which was to come. I know that without Him, that I could do nothing. When you learn that, when we learn that, the sooner we learn that, the sooner that we can lean on Him, and the sooner that we stop leaning on our own understanding, and stop doing things on our own, and stop leaning to our own uh, mindsets, and our own education, when we stop that, then we can have a move of God in our life, because then we'll start leaning on the only thing that will get me through. Jesus Christ. The single greatest moment in all history took place when God wrapped himself in flesh and he became the Savior to the ones that he loved. He longed to mend a relationship that hell had stolen from him. Talked about it this morning. He, he came to seek and save that which was lost. And he was on a mission to take it back. It was a sad reality. It was unfortunate that he came to rescue people. He came into his own, and the Bible says his own received him not. He came to save the ones, but sad that the ones he came to save ended up despising him and hated him. All he ever wanted to do was take away the sins of this world. He wanted to wash away their sins. He wanted to stand between them and hell, the very thing that wanted to destroy them. You would have thought, Brother Davis, that they would receive him with open arms. You would have thought that they would have welcomed him. But all they did was persecute him. And they hated him. It was ironic that the Messiah that they had always prayed for, they had always hoped to see, he finally comes to the rescue and they push him away. It's no different today. We want healing in our lands. We want healing in our homes. But when he comes and presents ourselves to his self to us, we push him away and we make him our last resort. Hear me tonight. It's time that we as the church make him our number one priority. grim yet beautiful picture of Calvary will never be erased from the minds of those who have washed in the pre- was washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. I can't ever forget what Jesus done for me. I know where I come from, Brother Wet Knight. I know how bad I was. I know how empty that I was. I was raised in this thing. I was fortunate. I was going to say lucky, but I don't believe in luck. But I was fortunate to be born in a church that loved Jesus, that taught me about Jesus. But I drifted astray. And it doesn't matter where you go or how good of home you come out of. Every single one of us need to be washed with the blood of Jesus. I'm going to tell you the ones that's never robbed banks or never robbed convenience stores and never done out, uh, drugs or alcohol, you're no better than those people. We're all in the same boat. The same blood of Jesus that had to wash the sins away from a liar, had to wash 
the, the sins away from a murderer and a thief. And so nobody in here is above anybody. We're all in the same boat. And I'm thankful that the same blood that saved you is the same blood that saved me. And I'm talking to somebody in here right now, and I'm being prophetic in my spirit. Somebody has walked in here, and in your heart and mine, you've said it to yourself. I don't belong there. I've went too far. I've hurt too many people. I've done too much. There's no way in the world that I can be saved. And the enemy wants you to think that. Hear me. If the devil is a liar, wouldn't it stand to reason that we should believe the very opposite thing that he speaks to us? And when the devil says, you can't be saved, you need to believe the very opposite. You can be saved. Right? If the devil's a liar and he tells you, you've done too much, you've gone too far, you, there's no way in the world that you can make your way back to forgiveness or an altar, just know that everything hell tells you, you can believe the very, very opposite. Jesus said, you have an advocate with the Father, and all he is faithful and just to forgive us. Let me start, and I'm going to try to get through this, but I just want to give pain a little small picture. The agony of Jesus began in the Garden of Gethsemane with the sweating of blood. There was a rare name given. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. But there was a rare blood occurrence of tiny blood capillaries and sweat glands that ruptured, causing an oozing of the blood to occur through the skin. You'll find when they pierced the side of Jesus... Water came out the side of Jesus. That literally happens, folks. When somebody has a broken heart. That happened, the very thing happened to Brother Billy Cole's wife. When she spent many hours and days and months in prayer, in intercession between her and God. They took her to the hospital and they came to her and they said, You are dying with a, from a broken heart. Her blood and the water began to separate. That is what was happening to Jesus when they pierced his side. Water began to flow out. What happened was Jesus began, his heart began to crush and his heart began to break. And if you find the, the journey that Jesus uh, took to get to us, you'll find that the pain began in the garden at night. He was brought after he was in the garden after he began to pray. He was led before the Sanhedrin. And there the soldiers beat him. History says that his own mother couldn't even recognize him. Beat his face until the woman that knew him the most couldn't even recognize his face. Jesus was beat to the point The Bible says he was blindfolded. If you think about it, how bad that was. If you've ever been hit in the face, there's a split second where you can flinch, Brother Davis. But Jesus being blindfolded, he couldn't roll with the punches. So every 
punch that he ever received to his face. It was a surprise to him. There was no protecting it. There was no flinching. It, it, it was, it, he just kept getting beat. History says that he was beaten so badly. I want to repeat this. That his, that his own mother could not recognize him. Uh, he, he, he was stripped of his clothes. And then he was scourged. Imagine the shame that he had to endure to be stripped from his clothes. And scourging, a soldier would use a whip called a flagrum, consisting of leather straps embedded with metal and glass fragments with small metal balls sewn into the end, which uh, was, was sewn in that when it would wrap around that body, it would literally, uh, it, it would literally stick into the flesh of that man. And once it would stick in, they would twist it and it would grip the flesh of the one that they would beat. And then they would pull it, ripping off the flesh continually. Some people believe that he was hit 39 times. And that was a Jewish custom. But the Romans would beat you until they could not beat you anymore. And they would, wouldn't stop there. They would find somebody else to beat you. And I'm not trying to be uh, gross tonight uh, 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 or uh, sound... Uh, so grim tonight, but also historians also said that his entrails were literally hanging out of his body. And what blows my mind, Brother Sims, more than anything Jesus ever received, was it wasn't, it wasn't done to him simply because they forced it to happen. Jesus literally chose it for himself. It was all written about before it ever happened, according to Isaiah. And the prophets had talked about it, that he would be bruised and beat and hurt. Him being the author. And I'm not even going to read all this because I want to get through this, through the meat of my message. Jesus being the author And the finisher of our salvation and the author of what he wrote, he chose to write that in and he spared himself none. He 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 could have he could have kept some of that out. If you was going to write your story, guys, when you when you try to make it as easy as possible on you. But Jesus, he said, you know what, I'm I'm going to show you how much I love you by showing you how much I'm going to suffer. I'm going to show you how bad that I want to get to you by showing you how much I'm going to choose to suffer. And he was beaten continually. And then they led him and they put a crown of thorns in his head. They beat those crown of thorns until that pierced down through his temples. And it stands to reason that the thorns that was put in his head went into the soft part of his head and into the softer parts of his brain. He endured some of the worst things that men, any man could ever, ever take. And they, 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 they continually mocked and they spit on him and they told lies on him. One of the worst things that they did uh, was simply lie on him. And the Bible says when he's standing before the Sanhedrin court, they lied on him and he had the choice. 
He could reveal truth to them and show them that they were a liar. They could reveal to them that they were telling things that were untrue. And the scripture says he uttered not a word. And imagine having that kind of meekness, which literally means strength under control. He had the ability, the Bible says, to call legions of angels to annihilate the ones that beat him and beat hurt and hurt him. And he chose to keep the ball rolling. He chose to keep the journey going. Then they laid him on a cross, and they put the nails in his hands and his feet. I can't imagine that pain. I, I, I simply, when I read this, and I read the historical event of how he did, and he chose to do it, I, I can't imagine the pain that he went through. And he chose to do it. If you ever, ever get to the point where you think that Jesus don't love you, you need to go back and study what he went through to get to you. Say, well, he he done it for these preachers up here. That's not what the scripture says, Brother Troy. The Bible says when we were yet sinners. That is one of the most powerful thoughts or powerful scriptures in all the word of God. He didn't come, he didn't come and die for a church without spot or wrinkle. It says he's coming back after a church without spot or wrinkle. But the Bible says that he died for a church, for an, a church that was sent or people that was sinful, people that were broken, people that were, uh, that were sinners and murderers and thieves and rapists and abusers and all kinds of filth. That's who he came and died for and he did it by choice don't ever think that he doesn't love you and I read to you in our text that when it was all said and done there was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea I, I, I can't find him anywhere else in the scripture and I don't know a whole lot about him there's some places in history that talks about him, but according to Scripture, you won't find anything else about Joseph of Arimathea. He comes out of the picture, out of nowhere. His name had never been mentioned before. But on this day, he shows up when it's time to bury Jesus. The Word of God tells us that he went boldly before Pilate. And the Scripture says that he craved and begged for the body of Jesus. This is after Peter was scared to death to literally any take up to take up for Jesus or admit that he even knew Jesus. And Joseph of Arimathea, he comes, he says, I want that body. Matter of fact, he didn't just want it. The Bible says that he craved the body of Jesus. And so my question, when I read when him craving the body of Jesus, I questioned the thought as to why somebody wanted anything to do with a body that couldn't give back to him. Because, after all, the life had left him. And this is not the same Jesus. 
in the flesh that was opening the blinded eyes. It wasn't the same Jesus that months before was walking on water. It wasn't the same Jesus in the flesh at that time in their minds that was calling Lazarus out of the grave after Lazarus had been dead for four days. This wasn't the same Jesus that walked out of Jairus' house. To them it wasn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was dead. And to everybody else, he was good for nothing. They was going to take his body and put him in a grave and forget about him. Everybody was mourning about the death of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was distraught. John, the beloved, was standing there. He was beaten down and depressed because Jesus wasn't around anymore. The disciples, Peter, was off somewhere depressed and crying, but Joseph was, the Bible says, craving the body of Jesus, which what he was really saying was this, that if the world is done with him, if the world is done with Jesus, I still want him. Oh, you gotta, you gotta get what I'm saying tonight. Come on, Joe. You don't understand. He's not worth messing with. His mama can't even recognize him. Joseph says, I don't care. I still want him. He, you, you don't understand, Joseph. He's blood soaked and he's no good to nobody. He doesn't have the power to heal the sick anymore. He doesn't have the power to resurrect the dead anymore. Joseph says, I don't care. I still want him. Come on, Joseph. You need to get a grip. Everybody else around you hates him. Nobody else wanted anything to do with him. What's wrong with you, Joseph? Don't you have any kind of sense about you? He's a bloody mess. He's not worth messing with. And Joseph, he comes boldly and he says, if the world doesn't want Jesus, I still want him. He said, I don't care what the world does with him. I still want him. And it's a very, very good reflection as, as to what the world is doing to Jesus right now. They've taken his name out of the schools. They've taken his name out of our courthouse lawns. They've told, told us we can't pray to him. They've ridiculed him. They mocked him. They've laughed at him. And they scored with him. But I believe that there is a church in this last day that standing up and said you know what I don't care what this world says I don't care what this world thinks about him I still want Jesus Hallelujah. Hear me tonight. This world has turned their backs on the one, the very one that has come to give them life. But I believe that there are men and women in this last day that's made up their mind that said, you know what? I don't care what you think of him. I don't care how much you sham his name. We still want Jesus. I'm going to tell you why I want him. Because Allah's not one time ever answered one of my prayers. 
Not one time has Muhammad ever showed up when I was in trouble, Brother Horton, and answered one of my prayers. Not one time have I ever been able to call out to anybody else and ask them to heal my, my family. Not one time have they ever been able to heal. But every single time that I've ever called on the name of Jesus, he never left me and he never had forsaken me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. Hallelujah. There's going to come a time where we're going to be put to the test. I I, I hope that God, that none of us have to face what the church in the dark ages had to face. When they burnt them at the stake, put them on crosses, flayed them to death, stoned them to death, stood, the parents stood by and had to be forced to, to, to make a decision whether they choose Jesus or, or choose, or the, choose the mark of the beast. I, I, I hope to God that we in here are not persecuted like Paul and persecuted like Timothy and crucified upside down like Peter and boiled in oil like John. I pray to God that none of us have to go through that. But I believe before we, we uh, breathe our last breath of air that there's going to come a time where we're going to have to make a decision to want Jesus more than we want this world. Hear me, whether we're going to want Jesus more than we want more money, whether we want Jesus more than we want a nice car, whether we want Jesus more than we want another drop of alcohol, whether we want Jesus, whether we want drugs, whether we want Jesus more than we want the approval of men. Paul had told Timothy that the last days would come. The scripture that I'll read is a reflection to the time that we're standing here right now when he said, For men shall be lovers of their own self. Uh, self. Tell me if this doesn't look like what's going on around you. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, proud, uh, boasters, blasphemers, disobedient. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. We are living in that time. We've got family members that resemble that exact scripture. Those days are here. But even though we're living right smack dab in one of the worst times in the history of man, I believe that God still has a church full of apostolic men and women that's going to stand in boldness and say, you know what? Take the whole world, but you give me Jesus. There are those who may have their own ideologies and their own opinions as to why Joseph wanted this dead, crucified Savior in his own tomb. Now, I don't, I don't know it to be true, 100% truth. Tombs were passed down from generation to generation. 
couldn't just go to the cemetery and, and, and buy plots. That tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had, chances are, was passed down from generation to generation. We know that. We know that to be true. Because when, 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 uh, was it Joseph told him to carry his bones out of Egypt, he said, I want to be buried with my forefathers in Machpelah. Tombs were passed down and Joseph of Arimathea had his tomb. And why on earth? If Joseph understood that's where he's going to be buried. Why on earth would he volunteer his tomb? Again, I don't have any proof. But I, could it be that Joseph was so, he, un, he had a strong understanding or he was somewhere around when Jesus said, if you destroy this temple and three days later, I'm going to get up. And Joseph said, you know what? Let me be the first to experience a resurrection in the place where I'm supposed to be dead. Hear me. Jesus may be out of fashion to a lot of people. But he's the only God that's ever resurrected. He's the only God that's ever forgiven sins. He's the only God that's ever resurrected. He's the only God that's ever healed cancer. He's the only God that's ever unstopped deaf ears. He's the only God that's ever opened blinded eyes. Hear me. He's the only one that I'm going to make a place for. In the place where I'm supposed to be dead. Why? Because in Him there is life. And you can choose whatever God you want to. But you're just chasing after gods that are dead but the God that I serve is a God of life he's a God of life he's a God of life and I choose Jesus many people don't choose Jesus because simply because you can't see him it's not a, it's not it's not cool to worship a God that you can't see. But if you're here tonight, and I know you can't see him, but there is absolutely no way in the world that you cannot deny what you feel in this place tonight. I may not be able to feel Jesus. But I know that I've experienced a risen Savior because I was dying and going to hell. And Jesus pulled me out of a pit that I couldn't pull myself out of. Let's sing. Come on, you may not ever admit tonight that you want Him. Somehow you've got to admit that you need Him. You think for one instance you breathe your breath out of your nostrils simply on your own accord. You think for one moment that you got up this morning 
from your own ability. You think for one moment that you could wrap your arms around your son or your daughter simply based on your own strength. Everything that you've got, Jesus gave you. Everything, every blessing you've ever been able to enjoy. There was a price paid for it. Jesus paid that price. I'm going to open this altar to people that still want Jesus. To a Jesus that's not that popular. I'm going to ask you tonight, how bad do you want Him? Or do you need Him? I'm going to open this altar to every man, woman, and child in this place. Don't be shy. Throw your pride aside and make your way to an altar. Come on, I want every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, we need Jesus tonight more than we need anything in our life. Come on, we need Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, come on. Let's worship Jesus all across this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you. 